If you've ever found yourself sleepwalking through your work life, stay tuned for today's guest. Helen Russell, co-founder and CEO of Equator Coffees, is fully caffeinated and full of inspiration. This is Beyond the Check. When it comes to work, what is your big why? If you didn't need the money, would you still show up to your job? I'm John Weems. I've spent half of my career in the corporate world and the other half in full-time spiritual guidance as a pastor. I respect people of all views unless they are totally closed-minded a-holes. Welcome to Beyond the Check, the podcast where we talk about the big why of work and life. Many people find inspiration through a good cup of coffee, but my guest today won't settle for just good. Uh, CEO and co-founder Helen Russell and the team at Equator Coffees and Teas are not only obsessed with the perfect cup, they care deeply about the chain of well-being that goes into roasting and brewing it. Uh, Helen, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. So Helen, before we get to the, the business side of things, uh, I know we share an interest in the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer and, yes. and the power of, of intentions. And one of the uh, quotes we discussed was around kindness. And mm-hmm. uh, he said, kindness extended, received, or observed beneficially impacts the physical health and feelings of everyone involved. Uh, can you share a little bit about how you know, your feelings about kindness and intention, kind of how that has guided your life, and then we'll transition into talking about Equator. Yeah, I just got goosebumps when you said that, because uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, I have to think about um, Dr. Dyer as my mentor early on in 1976, and we were just uh, working on our branding uh, for Equator, and we were talking about sort of what's our mission statement, and what's our purpose, and we came up with, which was very, very easy for both Brooke, my partner, and I to talk about. I mean, we champion human connection and kindness through the portal of coffee. You know, it's so important to give our guests an experience that's memorable. And when you're kind, people remember that because unfortunately it's unusual and it shouldn't be. So kindness is something that we care deeply about. I always tell the team, if we hire for kindness, we can teach them how to make coffee, not yes. the other way around. So that's, if you go into any of our stores, you should experience kindness coming from behind the counter and every interaction you should have with the brand, whether it's the accounting department, the marketing department, uh, or a digital group. So yeah, yeah, kindness is everything. Well, having just walked your store uh, here in Mill Valley where we're uh, talking today, it, that definitely rings true. It, it's, it's, it's a community, you know, it's like Sesame Street up there with oh dogs and babies and people of all ages and, and all of your staff are, are so warm and engaged. It's you know, clearly coming through. I think one of the things I always think about when I come to our store, any of our store, it always reminds me, it feels like a Katy Perry concert. Whether you're three or 83, you feel good in here. So whether you're a baby or you've got four legs or you brought in your parents, everybody should feel that vibe of human connection and kindness and that sort of consciousness around community. Yes. And that's what we try to create and that's who we are as a brand. So quick sidebar, have you been to a Katy Perry concert? I have not, but I love Katy Perry. (laughs) Okay. Firework. Yeah. Firework. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. She's the best. So uh, I understand that you and and Brooke, you were already entrepreneurs with retail coffee experience prior to founding Equator. Uh, What prompted you to shift and, and think even bigger? Yeah, I think early on, uh, I think growing up as a blue-collar kid in in Boston and watching my parents work really, really hard, 35 years at the post office for my dad and 35 years for my mom at the phone company, and really getting those values of how important work is 
And if you work really, really hard, you can give your family opportunities. And I was always driven as a child, as someone that wanted to get a college degree, even though no one in the family had one. Um, I wanted to go to college. I wanted to move to California. I wanted to be an entrepreneur and nobody in the family was an entrepreneur. So when I told my parents I was going to move to the West coast, they were like, why are you leaving here? You should live next door and, uh, go to Walgreens for us when we get sick. And I said, you know what? Uh, we've got other siblings for that. Um, I really want to see what I can become and what impact that I can have, uh, as a human being. And I just want to grow. And I knew coming to California would give me that opportunity to become an entrepreneur. And when I met my partner, Brooke, and we were in our early 30s, and we had been flipping houses in the Northwest, and I had come out of MCI selling voice and data networks in Boston after graduating from Northeastern, and that was a great sales experience. But when you can't really taste something or tell a story about something, it's very difficult to look out into the sunset from the Prudential building and talk about fiber optics. There's really no people involved. But when you talk about coffee, when I have a cup of Ethiopian coffee or I have a cup of Rwandan coffee and I'm going to Rwanda in June and I've been in Rwanda in 2006 and I've picked those cherries and been out in those fields with those, with those women, it's just there's a connection that occurs all along the supply chain. And when Brooke and I opened up Europa coffee bars, one of the first things that we noticed was nobody would tell Brooke anything about the coffee. And she wanted to know who the farmers were, were there children in school, were there any lean times throughout the year where the, where the children weren't being fed, and what was the you know, elevation of where they were growing the coffee, what was the potassium in the soil. And back then, in 1993, it was, you know, we buy coffee from Central America, and East Africa and Indonesia. And there was really no talk about the farmer. Mm. So that was really second wave that we hear about, which was Starbucks and Pete's. And third wave, which we now hear a lot about, which is really about focusing on the farmer, being a voice for the farmer. And so that's what I love about third wave coffee. And a lot of our customers are coming from Starbucks and Pete's to kind of come up into third wave because they're really interested about the farmer. I think you may have noticed um, today that we're serving on pour over um, coffee from Yemen. Mm-hmm. So Mokhtar um, Alakashani, who is an amazing story, his book, Monk of Mocha, bringing us coffee from Yemen and how he got out of there. You know, he's, his parents emigrated from Yemen. He ended up in the Tenderloin. He wanted to go back and really learn what his roots were. And to bring that coffee to us now and experience that, I mean, that's, that's what being, I don't know, an entrepreneur is about. That's what's being about curious. That's about having passion and just really educating our staff and our customers if they're interested about what the story is behind that beverage. Yes. So you have, um, this has flown through everything you just said, but talk a little bit about the phrase chain of well-being and, and that as a focus for you. Yeah, I came up with, you know, it just organically... I came up with the word chain of well-being right after we became um, B Corp certified. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, the definition of what a B Corp is really is it's really a movement, right? It's it's an assessment that we were very interested in in taking, um, and it validates who we are as a company in terms of 
what we do on the social side and the environmental side, very similar to our fair, cra- fair trade organic certification. We took the B Corp certification, and it's really about stakeholder value. So when you travel to the farmer's gate, you open that gate, you get dirt on your boots, and then you choose your coffee, you work directly with the farmer on price, then you come out and you have an exporter, you have an importer, we bring it into the roasting plant, we roast it, we bring it to our stores and our wholesale customers, and then online to your doorstep, there's a chain of custody that happens. Mm. And then I just organically said it's the chain of well-being. And because as a B Corp, we want to make sure everything that we touch along that chain of well-being, we can do the best we possibly can to, to control the custody of that, to make sure that the care of that farmer is being traveled all the way through that supply chain. So being a B Corp is really about stakeholder value. And for us, it's really about each leg of that stakeholder. What can we do to ensure that everyone is getting their needs met? On the farmer level, that could be a food security project, that could be a microcredit loan with our own employees, that could be health insurance or education, um, all those things. So it's really a chain of well-being. That's how we think about Equator and that's how we think about our brand. So for uh, kind of the, the chain of well-being for your life, mm-hmm. uh, our listeners always enjoy hearing about you know, early experiences for you. Uh, you talked about your uh, expansion beyond your sales role that you have, but talk a little bit about some of the dreams you had growing up and how those inform the person you are now. Yeah. You know, having, you know, as a child, I, I just wanted to own my own business. And I remember getting a book that was called How to Clean Houses. And I was like, I'm an excellent cleaner already because I'm the youngest of four. And both of my parents were working. So I, that was some of the fun part. I would make sure that the house was super clean. And then I'd have to cook food for my father and my, and my brothers and my sister as being the youngest. But I always wanted to do something different. And then I came across Dr. Wayne Dyer's books, The Sky's the Limit. And I remember being 16 years old because it was 1976 in my bedroom in Medford, Massachusetts, and putting that on the cassette and hearing him talk about The Sky's the Limit. And that really resonated with me, meaning that if I focus more on what I want to have happen versus what I don't want to have happen, I can manifest something quite amazing. And so I started to think about what I wanted to do with my life. And I started at the end. I went to the absolute end and I imagined myself at 88 years old and I thought, I want to be sitting there thinking, what impact have I had in my life and around the people that have worked with me? And where am I going? I don't want to work for the phone company, right? I want to do something for myself and for others. And I was very economically driven. And I think I was economically driven because you come down the stairs in the morning and my mother's purse would be there and we, everybody went in and took 10 bucks out. We went out and we got pizza. We went out and we went to the movies. It was always that little cash pile there. And I always thought, wow, that's amazing that we have access to this. Um, And I always thought, I want to be able to do something so special with my life and in business that I can help everybody around me, whether it's my family, whether it's the farmer, whether if I travel to Rwanda and I meet a young woman that Brooke and I can work with because her family was lost in the genocide. Um or the farm that we inherited, that we purchased, inherited the people on the land. If we're successful as a company, we can build them worker housing. We can take care of that young girl who has a deformed leg. And all of those things, I didn't know all that was coming, but I knew that 
with the financial wherewithal, we could make an impact. I could make an impact. So I've always been driven by doing well financially mm-hmm. as a way to help everybody around me. Because I really always felt like, and I guess I got that from Dr. Wayne Dyer. It's just like, we're all part of the same source, right? We're all part of the same tree. No two branches should argue amongst themselves. So I always felt like we were connected. And I wanted our brand to feel like we were connected. Because as people, we all are connected. And we all want the same thing. I don't care if I'm in Panama, Guatemala, Ethiopia, Rwanda. We all want the same thing. We want safety. We want our families. We want love. We want opportunity to work. And we've been very, very fortunate that we've built a brand that has launched a lot of careers, Mm -hmm. has given us a lot of things and a lot of opportunities to help other folks. And so, you know, when I see all the people upstairs right now in our cafe, I just want to hug them all. I want to thank them all. I want to be with them all. I want to know about their lives and and who they are and what their dreams are. Well, and, and for the record, I can tell our listeners firsthand that the, the hugging is happening uh, yep. up in the I'm stores a in a, you know, a, a absolutely authentic way. And so totally. uh, you know, come to Two Miller in Mill Valley, California, or wherever you may be. And, and, uh, You'll get a out. hug from Helen, that's yeah. for sure. So you, you'd mentioned a couple of examples. Um, uh, talk a little bit about you know, when you did acquire the farm and kind of yep. what that experience, what, you know, the, the, the young woman you ended up helping, oh kind of walk us through that experience. Yeah, you know, it's... That is one of the most incredible um, experiences I think we've ever had. I mean, and it came about in a funny way because we were, we were being interviewed by the San Francisco Business Times probably 12 years ago, and they asked Brooke and I, what's next for Equator? And sort of being the quintessential salesperson, I said, oh, we're going to purchase, we're going to buy a farm, coffee farm. And so it comes out in the headlines, Equator buys coffee farm. And Brooke said, why did you tell him that? <laughs> I said, I don't know. We should go buy one. So we got with our friends, uh, Willem and Catherine, and we went down to Panama. The Panamanian people are so lovely. And um, we had put it out there that we were interested in purchasing a farm. So we found this incredible piece of land in Volcan, which is uh, up in the highlands of of Panama. And it's a 19-hectare unplanted coffee farm, 15 unplanted for National Amistad to Costa Rica. So if you go to the top of our farm and keep walking left, you'll go into Costa Rica. Mm. It's the highest farm in Central America. Now, this is perfect. Like, this is what's great about not knowing, right, what the future holds. Because if you knew, you wouldn't do it. So here we are. We're like, okay, we come back. We tell our partner, Willem, who wasn't our partner at the time, Willem Boot and his wife, Catherine. We said, we, f- we found the farm. And he's like, oh, my God, we should do this together. And Willem Boot is a well-known coffee entrepreneur internationally he's dutch and he lives here in mill valley and um so he said like let's do it together i said great so he said you know what do you want to plant and i said we want to plant the best coffee in the world and he says okay let's plant geisha and geisha is a very very unknown varietal it's gotten all the things that you've you've heard about with coffee 200 pounds on auctions and things like that so we decided we would plant the geisha varietal and one of the things that we found that i did not know at the time is that You really inherit the people that are on the land. There was a shack that was there. And there was a young family living on the shack. And when we went down there, and Catherine, who's Willem's wife, is a a nurse. And and, and Helica, this young girl on the farm, and her mother, and Hella, we saw this little girl in the back, and we asked her to come forward, and she was scampering. And then Catherine lifted up her dress, and we saw that her her leg was deformed from the knee down. So... 
you know, we said we should do something about this, right? And so what we did was we called uh, Shriners, and the woman who picked up the phone happened to be Panamanian, so she took a very uh, special interest in the case. And um, we came back, and I told them that the only option that they had for little Angelica was to have her leg amputated. And they stood up, and they handed me Angelica. And I said, I'm not going to take her today, but we're going to come back for her. So we ended up flying uh, Angelica and her, and her mom to Shriners in Tampa. They amputated the leg. They fitted her for a prosthetic. And then two months later, you see her bicycling around with a Nike T-shirt and little braids, little pigtails uh, with, her new, with her new prosthetic. Then we brought her back to the farm. We bought her a horse uh, that the gentleman next door had owned for his daughter. And then we put her in private school. So every morning she would take that horse, barista, down to the bottom, hook him up, and then get on a bus and go to school and come back. So that young woman now, 10 years later, has her own family. And if we hadn't purchased that farm, she would be in a corner someplace. So seeing how you can make a difference just by saying yes and knowing that it will work out somehow and, you know, by growing our business and telling that story and having the the business and the wherewithal from an economic standpoint to be able to do that, that's one of the, the most amazing things that I've ever experienced, to be able to change someone's life in that way hmm. and to think where she would be today if we hadn't done that. She wouldn't be educated. She wouldn't be able to walk. And she'd be in a tough spot in the corner someplace. So we're very proud of that. Well, and you sort of stating a bold aspiration to take on a farm. Any, that's As you bold. think about bold aspirations you have now anything anything you care to share something you you see out there that uh, maybe so big you can't even fully define it yet yeah you know right now you know 24 years we are have been in business we have been in retail for the last six years Um, we now have seven retail stores we have over 450 wholesale customers we started out as a wholesale company And when Brooke started roasting in that garage in 1995, there were only five women roasting in the country. There were only 35 roasters on the West Coast. Now there's well over 350, 400, they say. And to have had that experience in owning and operating those two espresso bars prior and to be able to start roasting, start selling, start invoicing, start attracting, you know, James Beard award-winning chefs like Chef Thomas Keller, Chef Tracy Desjardins, Chef Dominic Crenn most recently, and getting that validation that you have created something very, very special. Mm. And to grow that, and then six years ago, having Starbucks buy our largest customer, which was Level Launch at the time, and $1.1 million fell out of the checkbook, and having the faith that, you know, as they say, when one door opens, uh, look for a window that's going to come open on the other side of the house. And Brooke said to me, look, we got to get back into retail. And I said, I'm 50 years old. I'm not getting up at 4.30 in the morning. She said, not you. Nobody wants to see you that early. <laughs> and so uh, uh, Devorah Freudiger, who was our, uh, our third wave, um, you know, had come over from Gimme in New York and uh, was amazing. And she and I and Brooke and Ted, our director of coffee, um, met with the folks down at Proof Lab Surf Shop. And we created this incredible community spot. And I spent a year and a half down there wiping down tables, telling our story. And as I said, you know, earlier that um, uh, Joe Peterson came in from LinkedIn, head of global 
um, Global Food for all of LinkedIn. And next thing you know, our coffee's now in all the LinkedIn offices. So by having that experience there. So I can't say, I'm so happy that Starbucks bought Lava Launch because at 1.1 million that fell out, that store now does 1.1 million. And then all the wholesale that has grown out of that. So it really is important to know that there are no mistakes. There is a bigger purpose. The universe is a lot smarter than all of us. Things are coming towards us all the time. Just stay open to it and move towards it. Don't try to move away from it. You can go sit off to the side for a minute because some things can be overwhelming, but get back in the flow and um, it's okay if the ball machine is coming. Just keep hitting the balls or stay in the water when the waves are out there and don't lose faith and have confidence and something remarkable will happen. And I've always felt that way. I've always felt like there are no mistakes. I've always had a very, very high expectation because I don't think people get what they deserve. They get what they expect. Mm. And we've seen a lot of, you know, things when I go to the coffee lands and it's, it's hard to say that, do they deserve that or do they deserve that? It's like, look, you know, it's, it's, it's our job to sort of help others and lift people up. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's who we want to be as a brand out there in the world. And we're fortunate. We have so much gratitude that we can do that. And our work is not done. So, Helen, you'd mentioned some business adversity, like you know, losing La Boulange. Yep. Any personal adversity that has shaped who you are and how you approach life? You know, I've been fortunate on that end. You know, um, growing this company, I buried both my parents and my sister, and I still, you know, um, I marvel at the fact. I remember, and I was saying this to Brooke recently, I can remember when my sister was um, passing away, I was doing accounts receivable in mm-hmm. the other room. Because that was my way to stay in control, right? And um, but I've been very, very fortunate. I haven't had a lot of adversity. You know, um, I'm a white woman. I'm privileged. Um, I've gained that by working really, really hard. And now my job is to be super inclusive and to bring people along that didn't have all the opportunities that I've had and we've had as a company. Um, so. Fortunately, John, I haven't had a lot of adversity. I mean, mm-hmm. being a woman in business, I mean, I grew up with brothers. So, you know, the lean in did not apply <laughs> to me because, you know, they, they learned how to pitch in, in uh, Little League by putting me against the back garage and, you know, you had to catch the ball. So it was, um, and if I wanted brownies on the table, you had to lean in. So, you know, I, I think I could have written a book, Lean Out, because I was the quintessential <laughs> lean in. So I really, um, I really expect that for myself and the people around me. Um, and I feel like there are no mistakes and, um, just go for it. Yeah. How you've talked about, uh, Dr. Dyer's influence on you in, how do you stay centered? Um, what, uh, you know, with so many things coming at you, so much growth, you know, I'm so well loved, you know, I've been with the same woman for 30 years and I have incredible people around me, I have a great team around me. Um, and I think that, you know, what was, what was, you know, where you were in the early morning of your life is very different than you are in the early afternoon in the late evening and early morning. So right now I'm in a different, a whole different, I think I would say I'm in the late afternoon and I'm looking forward to the early evening and the late evening. So what I do to stay centered is I, I get up every morning and I have, I'm full of gratitude. I try to exercise, go for a walk. I try to think about all the things that I can impact try to make sure that my energy um, stays where it is. And I try to let people do what I hired them for to do. And we do have a lot of growth. We really want to be that Patagonia of coffee. That's why we're roasting in New York. And that's why we have an office in Southern California and Northern California. We're going to be going into the Northwest region as well. And we want to do these things because I want to, we want to do more things. You know, we want to hire more people so we can do more things. 
um, and create greater impact. And that's really what the growth is really about. And I think, you know, any entrepreneur that starts a company, it's like you want to see how far you can get it, mm-hmm. how far you can grow it. And growing it here to where I am now, it's bigger than I could have ever have imagined. And we will hand it to someone that we will handpick and we will stay involved in a very, very big way so the culture stays in place to continue to grow this thing. All the people that work for us, especially the young people, we want their experience to equator that expectation that they have for us. We want to give them everything that we have so when they go to the next employer that they have that expectation. If they don't feel that, then they know that they shouldn't stay there. Hmm. So, any, any personal goals yet to achieve? You know what? I have been cycling quite a bit. So my personal goals are to take a trip in Europe on cycling, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a goal. Um, another goal that I've had that I'm about to sort of um, embark upon in, uh, in June is to fly to London, pick up Alice Musabende, who I met in 2006 in Rwanda the first time I went. And uh, we fell in love with Alice and became her surrogate mom. She's now getting her PhD at Cambridge. She has two young cubs, two young sons. So I'm going to fly there. I'm going to go out to Cambridge. I'm going to pick her up, and she and I are going to go back to Rwanda together. Here she is, a PhD student, PhD student yes. studying uh, politics. Talk about adversity. I mean, when I met Alice, to think that you can lose your entire family to the genocide and you can still get your master's in journalism, you can still get a PhD, you can still have forgiveness in your heart. So she's my guiding light. And we've been, you know, her mom on some level, not to replace her mom ever, but that that person you can call and say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Or, hey, you know, how do I do that? Or how do I think about that? So uh, that goal is to go back to Rwanda with Alice. And uh, we're going to do that. How were you connected with Alice? Connected with Alice from meeting her when we, um, we were on a trip in 2006. Alice was our guide at the time. And uh, we visited all of the cooperatives that we could visit, a lot of the um, genocide memorials. And then, and then she and I just you know, sat together and she told me her story. And then the day that we were leaving, I said to her, I know you're going to Ottawa and I know you're, you know, here's my card. It's really cold in Ottawa. And she said, I know, I can't even imagine snow. I said, you call me. We're going to send you mittens. We're going to send you a coat. You call me the same way you would call your mom Mm -hmm. if you needed something. Now, I didn't think she would, but she did. And we became very, 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 very close. Um, And I invited her to a conference that I was at, um, a conflict resolution, and we had a we had a meeting with uh, Secretary of State Madeleine Albright and Secretary Madeleine Albright, knowing that they were in charge during the genocide, took her aside and hugged her and then followed up with her, Madeleine Albright, when she was in Ottawa. And so her life was obliterated and now it is just rosen and it is just nothing but this incredible light. And she'll be spending Christmas with us and she'll be just mm. like any teenager, even though cause her entire teenage life was lost. Um, she'll sleep in, and I'll go crazy making her pancakes. And, you know, last time she was home for Christmas, I made like 15 gifts. I was running around like a crazy person because <laughs> um, I've never had a daughter, but uh, she's as close as we can get. So pretty proud of that. And you can't be in specialty coffee and not sort of come across people that you're entirely moved by. And it's really about eyes wide open, trying to leave something better than what you found it. 
I think that's the, I think that's the message being awake. I mean, I can't get on an airline where people don't think I work there. They're always mm-hmm. asking me to put their bag up or do you have a blanket? I'm like, you know what? I'm, I just, I'm sure. And then I go and get it um, because, you know, I'm looking around constantly to try to help somebody else because I'm already got my bag up. I've got my seat and there's always some elderly person that comes on board that nobody looks at. I'm like, how can I help you? How can I make this easier for you? And it's for no other reason other than it gives me joy to help somebody else. So. I, I'm blessed and I'm lucky and I'm an entrepreneur and I love business and I love people and I love being super curious and I want to lift all boats and I want people to all do well. Well, and I typically ask people to define success. I think you just did uh-huh. uh, in terms of leaving it better than you found it, being awake. Uh, you are, are a testament. I know Dr. Dyer would be proud of be proud. Uh, the way you've Every book he ever wrote, I read it and I highly recommend it. Absolutely. Well, uh, any, anything that would be helpful from our listeners that we want them to, of course, visit stores if nearby, but any charge you have to them? No, I mean, if you want to start your own business, it's just, you know, just start, right? Put one foot in front of the other and go get the business license and just start. I mean, you can't get to New York unless you get in the car and drive. So it, it'll, it'll appear, the road appears and you'd be surprised. But again, I did a test 46 years ago and I said, I am going to focus on being where I am today and see if it works. And it works. Focus on what you only want to have happen, not what you don't. And you will be amazed what shows up. That's a perfect spot to end. Helen, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, blessings on your continued thank success you, and growth in life. I really appreciate it. To learn more, please visit equatorcoffees.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite service and consider leaving a review. Until next time, keep living beyond the check.